Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. And today I have a very special guest with me, Mr. Daniel Diaz, author extraordinaire and interesting person that I am super excited to get to know. So, Mr. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing good, Janet. Thank you for having me, man. We've been doing this. We're trying to do this for a while. <laughs> it has you? been a while in the in the making, but, you know, life happens and things come up. Finally. So for people who do not know you yet, mm -hmm. I want you to first start a little bit. Tell me, like, what your background is, because you have a fascinating story about how you got where you are. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I've been, uh, I moved to America in 2014. I'm originally from Brazil and I started experiencing the American, you know, lifestyle, you know, the American dream. I started chasing that, you know, I started trying to make everything happen in my life and be financially successful. And I moved to America and I got into the hustle culture, you know, <laughs> let's make it, let's make some money, let's get it done and let's evolve, let's become the best version of ourselves. And I was going in too deep. So I was, at this time, I was working with people in bars, in restaurants, I was serving, I was bartending, I was busting my ass and I got to meet a lot of people, you know, that kind of, they look like some characters in a movie. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anybody that's ever done the service industry, I'm sure, can identify with that. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, so I was meeting these people and I started learning from them about life and about everything and seeing the world as you can see only when you work in restaurants and, mm -hmm. you know, nightclubs and that kind of stuff. It makes you wonder what direction society is taking now. And I was, you know, left with the feeling that I needed to do something about it because I was actually experiencing a very, let's say, sick society. You know, we have a lot of people looking for attention and not wanting to do some real work. And I was getting upset by that. And I thought, like, I always like to read a lot. I grew up reading my dad's library and I was like, there's no book out there yet that addresses all the things in my mind that I'm experiencing in mm -hmm. this world. You know, so I try to nail down some points that I was seeing every day because when you work in industry, so you meet servers, they want to be influencers. Now that's a new thing, right? Oh, right. what do you want to do with your life? Yeah, man, I'm going to create a you an Instagram account that I'm going to have a lot of followers and then I'm going to, you know, tell people to buy this and that and that's going to be my life. Mm -hmm. If you look like in 10 years ago, that wasn't even a possibility. This is totally a new thing. Right. Now it got, it got society in a pace that nobody ever saw, you know. So mm -hmm. we are definitely changing and going into a new direction and I wanted to explore this aspect because there's nobody doing this, I feel. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have people now the 10 first books on the New York Times bestseller addresses issues like, oh, uh, how to not get anxious with social media. Mm -hmm. So it's getting to our soul, this new system. And what are we doing about it? I feel like a lot of people are lost. And there's no 100%. answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no answer. There's no explanation why. You should copy the person you're seeing on screen and just not have anything read like original right. from you. You know, now everybody's kind of a copycat of a copycat. You see things, Agreed. then I'm going <laughs> to replicate that. 
right? Mm-hmm. So I got to do this book when I realized that I was with all the subjects that I wanted to address it. And the only way that I could address them was by storytelling. I need to like write a story in a paper that would relate. Like whenever you feel like you're going through difficulties, the best way for your mind to access that is to read a story that's going to make you relate. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I tried to do. I tried to write a story that when you read it, you're going to relate. Maybe you never work in the industry, but you're going to relate to the character's problem because he is going through all the changes that we go through. You have co-workers that are trying to backstab you. You have mm-hmm. managers that are in a power trip. You have guests, you know, customers that are trying to give you a hard time. And then what do you do, you know, when this happens? And what kind of stance do you take? So my character on the book, Who Would Have Thought, I think is very relatable. And that's why I wrote it. And I hope people understand the message when they get to the end of it. So let me ask you a question, like going back before you ever decided to move to the United States, I know you were pursuing a very different path with what your schooling was. How did that come about and and what made you decide to to change that? What were you doing? Yeah, great question because uh so Brazil culturally is very different from America. America you can come here and be a server or a bartender and then work on your project and make it happen. Brazil that's not so much of an option. Mm-hmm. So I was going in Brazil to do law school. I was doing law school and my family, they're all judges, you know, they have power and stuff. I did not want to go into that realm because I felt there was a lot of ego and right. not a lot of detachment and to be present in reality. I don't know, man. I don't like like let's say if you're talking to a bunch of lawyers, I remember this like, oh, I went to Italy. And then somebody's going to go and say something like, oh, Italy is not worth going anymore. You know, so everything is kind of a competition with these people. I don't want right. to compete in this realm. You know, I just want to be free. I always thought like my spirit as is, like I felt it was kind of a ego. And I want to, you know, I knew my time was coming and I wanted to fly. That was all. That was all for me, you know. I know I had some, you know, I have some time in this planet that I want to really do something. Right. Not going to this job or that job because it gets you financially okay, mm-hmm. but actually to do something with my life that I'm, I'm gonna leave my energy in this world. You know, that's all I have. That's all I came, you know, with. I have an energy, and I think everybody else has this energy, and you should explore this and leave the world with this energy like janet came here that's why this is here mm-hmm. you gotta go of course it's very important to be a lawyer we all need lawyers but if you go into that path and then uh you feel you don't need to be there exactly for some reason i think that's the voice you should listen to it because Agreed. That one, that's what spoke to me and it got me on a wild path it was not easy you know it's very hard to do this path as well because this is not the easy choice mm-hmm. But it's what makes, you know, everybody be different and you have this different energy because you came here with it and you did something about it. Well, you know, you made a you made a very good point about like if you're not feeling something that you're into, mm, yeah. s- stop doing it and make a change. And I think that's what's wrong with, you know, whether it's the service industry, the healthcare industry, you know, whatever job it is. 
there's so many people that should not be in the jobs that they're in because they're just not nice. And you should not have a public job if you hate what you're doing and you're not nice. <laughs> they're doing for the reasons that they think is the right reason, which is financially, mm -hmm. right? I really right. believe that the difference that makes you who you are, like the only thing that makes you be a Janet, Daniel, you know, we have all this only singular energy because you are a product of a combination of factors that is never going to repeat itself in history. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you come from your ancestors, you come from, you know, different people, that you are a combination of genes and DNA that has never been, you know, expressed mm -hmm. before. Right. So why would you not go deep into this only factor that makes you who you are and just, you know, oh, actually, you know what, I actually need to make money so I can buy a car and then you buy the car. Then the car is not really what you're looking for anymore. Right. So then it's got to be better and bigger. Yeah. And then it's called the hedonic treadmill. Mm -hmm. Whenever you have these things that you thought you needed and then you have it, you're just like, ah, you know what? What else? What else? And then I think that's the path that people who believe in success, like it's nice to be successful, but if the only thing you do you make money. It's, oh, what do you do? Oh, I make money. I don't think like you're really happy in the end of the day. You know, I absolutely love that because for me, it's not about and never has been about materialistic things. Yeah. You know, those basic needs are satisfied. There's nothing materialistic that can make me happy. It's what's inside and what I give off to other people. That's yeah, the though. best possible gift in the universe. You had posted one time and I thought it was such a perfect thing. It was about, you know, um, ADHD and like always thinking that, you know, you, you suck at everything, but yeah. it's really that you suck at the things that you don't like. That is me. <laughs> I don't yes. have ADHD, but that is me. There are some things like tech stuff. I, I hate it. It's not my forte. Um, I will leave that to people who enjoy that. Same with, like, I went to school and got a business degree first. Hated it. That is not me. It's not my path. And I was like, okay, this is, this is not fulfilling in any way, shape, or form. So I had to change that. Yes. It takes a while for some people, you know, like whenever you go into this path and then you realize that it's just like, what? why am I here? And then, oh, because everybody else is doing this and I felt mm -hmm. like I should do the same. So there right. is a huge wake up call. Right. And you realize it after like, oh, you know, because I think you always can go back. You always can go and like have your spirit, you know, manifest and talk to you about like what are you actually here for? Mm -hmm. And it's not for the material stuff. It's going to be more inclined to make a difference in this world. You know, mm -hmm. like, oh, what? For me, is the question that Gene Carey makes, like, what skill do you have that the world needs? Mm -hmm. What is it? Like, is it you, you know, being a podcast and making, you know, people aware because you're talking about, like, issues that needs to be addressed? Or mm -hmm. is it you having a degree and just making money even though you don't care? Like, for me, it's better for you to do the podcast and you enlighten one or two people's lives, right? Then that makes a huge difference because those people, they're going to carry on. And whenever you hit a mark, 
that is huge enough, you actually change something, you know, instead of just making money. Right. And that's, that is so true. Like of my life. Cause like I said, I went and got the business degree first and then I went to nursing school and I love nursing. Um, but I retired from that during the pandemic. Hmm. And now it's like, it's more important for me to spend my time and my money helping whoever I can help with, you know, holistic health things or therapy type stuff or, you know, looking at things in a different perspective because I've never made a dime. I spend way more money, but it's worth it for me to spend that on somebody else's mental health or physical health. Yeah, it's the best feeling, man. Whenever I mm -hmm. talk to people uh, about, you know, because now I wrote a book and I have like, a, you know, something to stand on and have like, oh, this guy's an author, so let's hear what he says. Mm -hmm. But before I, I usually just like, oh, this guy's crazy because he goes into these deep thoughts, like subjects that nobody really thinks about it. When I wrote it and I put on a paper and now I have something concrete, it kind of changes and you know this version of me that is really like um, almost self-centered but i went through a lot you know i went through i was an alcoholic five years ago i worked in this bar that was very crazy and i got myself involved with people you know that were very toxic mm -hmm. and that goes you know spread into your life and makes you a different person because it's just like you absorbing all these people and you absorbing all this negativity and toxicality you become right. that as well so um once i realized what was happening it was almost too late so i went to a rough rough period where i now i found it you know enlightening because it helped me now I know some things because I've been there and now I can mm -hmm. combine that side with this side and I can make, you know, if I see somebody that is struggling with alcoholism, I'm going to go there and be like, hey, yo, listen to me right now. Mm -hmm. Get your shit together, bro. That's the only thing you can do right now. You know, take it day by day and, and as it comes because it's not easy for you to realize that you are a failure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I think it's one of the hardest things ever for you to come in terms with right like, oh wow i did this i fucked up and i fucked up bad so does that make me a failure or that makes me a failure in this situation so that's exactly what it is yeah mm -hmm. once you come to terms with this and you realize no no actually i needed that you know because my ego was just over the moon at my time for me you know in my experience I was this bartender that I thought I was a rock star. I really like, oh my God, my life is a party. I work in a bar that everybody comes and, you know, I, I thought it was- I'm sure cool. you got hit on a lot too, being the bartender. Yeah, it makes you not be centered. You know, that's what I figured because it gets you like over the moon every day. And all of a sudden you going out and you waking up at seven o'clock at night, feeling like shit, you feel terrible. You just don't know what's happening. Your mind is kind of, you know, is a fog. You don't really can access your thoughts. And I was getting away a lot from my own spiritual journey, what I believe I came here for. Because I th this is all in the book, by the way. You know, this alcoholism problem that I, I'm speaking about is mm -hmm. in my book, Who Would Have Thought, A Server with PTSD Story. It's based on my own life. It's not a biography, but it's based on my experience. And like right. I try to make it as relatable and 
as enlightening as they can because I show you situations that might pop up in your life and what this guy did to solve it. Even though right. he was depressed, even though he was going through, you know, a dark tunnel and everything. But now when I look back in that time, I feel like it was the most valuable experience that I ever had. I would, I would not trade it, you know, even though I wouldn't leave it again. I would not trade it for anything. Mm -hmm. Because it, like, it helped you grow yeah. into who you are today. Yeah, it hits a sweet spot, I feel like. You know, it's something that you look at it and it's just like dark, the dark side that it kind of runs your, your, you know, your other side. And now, after a while, when you recover and you're just like, oh my God, okay. So I have that person in me, you know, and it's okay. Let's just aggregate it and keep it everybody at peace. That's the mm -hmm. best. Sometimes that's all you can do. You can do much. Right. So let me ask you, um, what made you decide to move to the United States? And like, how old were you when that happened? Yeah, I moved to the U.S. Uh, I was 24. Yeah, it's been 10 years now. And uh, I was really, I couldn't do the, the lawyer stuff in brazil right you know, because uh the thing was i tried to quit two times and my dad didn't let me and then he was like no i'm a judge you know what if you need help i'll help you that was you know like his concern but i could not like i like to read and whenever i read something from law school i was just like oh my god somebody kill me now <laughs> You know? I know that feeling. <laughs> yes, somebody kill me. Like, I don't get it. What the fuck? You know, because basically when you go to practice, you see everything. It's mm -hmm. just like, oh, let's help. You know, it's the cliche, like the rich, let's get the rich, richer and the poor, poor. You know, there is mm -hmm. no, it's just a system to go hands in hands with somebody who has power. So I was like, oh my God, this is not really my thing though. But it makes money, you know, but. I don't like it. I was kind of in this cross path. I'm like, so one time I tried to talk to my dad and he was like, no, just get the diploma and I'll help you. But I was like, I can't, man. Like, wow. And then I kind of let it go and I wrote a letter, you know, I think that's a writer stuff. Because what happened was I wrote a letter to my dad saying that I was quitting. And then I left the house and I let, left the letter in the breakfast table. <laughs> and I went out. And then he was like, a beautiful morning, he's waking up, his son is like, hey, you know, I understand that you don't want me living in this house anymore, but I can't do the, the law school, so I'm just going away. And then we got back together after that, but it was like, when I did this, he was like, yes, I don't think Brazil is for your mind. You're like too, you know, free soul mm -hmm. to be here right now, and... Like my cousin, she was living in America and she was doing okay. She, she's kind of the same mindset that I had. And then he was like, I think if you go to America and try there, you can be whatever you want because you have an artistic soul. You have all these inclinations that you feel. And uh, I don't feel like it's going to work in Brazil because I come from a small town in Brazil. So it's not a huge town. Mm -hmm. So it's very uh, single-minded people. You know, they have one way of doing things. And if you don't do it that way, it's never going to catch. Right. So that's why I moved to America, because I felt like I needed some culture. So right. when you when you came here, was it like hard to adjust? Was it like a culture shock for you? 
So when I came to America, the only thing hard to adapt was the hard work. Because mm -hmm. so right now I am a physical fit guy. You know, I work out, I scuba dive, I enjoy nature. I'm totally like full moving my body. But then when I came here, I weighed at 340 pounds. That's one thing. I was really obese. And I remember, I, so I moved to America. It was 29th of January of 2014. And this was a Wednesday. And I got here. My cousin, she already worked in restaurants. And she was like, let's go to my restaurant, see if you can get a job. So I went to her restaurant. So I got here on a Wednesday. On a Friday, I got a job in a restaurant. And I, I started working in that restaurant for three years straight. I never even, like I say, I barely saw the sunlight because I would work so much uh, that it took three years of my life basically inside the restaurant, which was a good thing in the end. Could change me. You know, it changed. I, I consider this the shadow work that Carl Young talks about when he mm -hmm. says, like, you should integrate the shadow with the light. Because at that time, I knew, like, it's funny, because it seems like the spirit, he always communicate with you in a way that is mm -hmm. not totally clear, but you know it. Right. Because at the time, I was feeling like, I really need this. I need to get fuck. You know, like, I need to get this, my West. I need to get my ass whooped. Like, I needed that, you know, like. <laughs> I love that. No, it's, I've it had was, my ass whooped a lot. <laughs> yes, because it, it really gets you to a place that you don't like, and then you're going to fight to get out of there. You know, mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Like, I have a lot of social anxiety, you know. Uh, I could not approach tables, and it changes your mind when you become better. Let's say I start dieting at the time. And I met some people because I, I, what I believe is the hero's journey. I believe if you do, like, let's go, I'm going to change my life and I'm going to open the doors so the new things can come. Mm -hmm. I really believe if you do this and you, you know, let go for the past, the universe is going to show you a path. Because right. I start meeting, start meeting people that help me get fit. I start meeting people that help me with all my traumas that I felt, you know, childhood traumas, uh, this and that. I met the people who you know, gave me the puzzle, like, oh, put your puzzle together. You do it mm -hmm. like this. Because then I started getting fit. And I remember, like, I was, if you go to a table, let's say you're a server, and then you're overweight, you weigh 300 pounds like I did. You go to the table, you say, hi, guys, how are you today? They look at you as if you were bothering them, like, whoa. But then... 10 pounds less, 20 pounds, 20 pounds less. You go to the table. They look at you in a different way. Like, I don't know, as if, you know, there is respect in it. So I felt that a lot. And I was like, I need to take this more seriously, you know? So also when you work out, your mind works better with your body. So mm -hmm. I was able to command my brain instead of like my brain commanding me, you know, making me do decisions that i didn't want to do mm -hmm. sometimes that's all you do like oh let's go drink or eat junk you know so sometimes you just feel like oh but then if you control that and then you show it i feel like that's the most important control that you mm -hmm. have in your life all over yourself agree with that so how how was it i'm assuming you probably used to be kind of a shy person how was it overcoming that um, 
being able to have conversations with people. Yeah, I was, I, I'm an introvert, right? I mm -hmm. like, it's like, once I know you, I'm going to be open and talk to you and joke around and, you know, say a lot of stupid stuff. But if I don't know you, I need to figure it out. Like, I, I feel like I have cats in my house. I have four cats. I'm a cat person. But I, I am like too. <laughs> yeah, like, you know. You may see a butt here in a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of mine was just walking by. But like cats, I, I feel like the same way, like they need to study you. So mm -hmm. I kind of need to know who you are. Okay, she is very toxic. I'm not going to even, you know, like right. let her energy gets to me. Mm -hmm. If I like, I would not open myself once until I know exactly who you are. And that mm -hmm. takes a minute. And for me, what helps me, man, was really one thing called cannabis. That's what I like to go for it because I feel, you know, whenever I smoke my first joint. Also, guys, my book, one thing that I would like to let you know is why uh, there is no book out there that narrates from the first time somebody smoked a joint from the time to, to the time that they were like, okay, I need this in my life. You know, so I always felt this book needed to be written and that's why I wrote because I I narrate from the first joint that this guy smoked to from the time that he goes like, okay, what is this? Because that's the way I felt too. When mm -hmm. I smoked my first joint in my life, I felt guilty. I was like, oh my God, I hope God doesn't punish me, man. That was my first thought. And when I really lean in and then like, oh, this is very beneficial, actually, you know, um, when I smoke, I can sleep better. I can deal with toxicality better. I can get like my mind center. I can communicate better. I have better seasons. I work out. I do this. I, it's like, a, you know, a very huge positive thing. And then I wanted to figure out what it was. So I went on a journey to know what cannabis actually was. And that helped me, like, to keep a calm mind. I don't know, like, my mind, if I, oh, hi, how are you? And then, I, you know, I shake your hand. My mind is like, okay, be nice, say something, say something. <laughs> don't, don't, like, and then you say something, you, and then your mind, oh, my God, that's all, that's all, that's what you pick. You know, I think a lot of people could identify with what you just said. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm very weird. You know, if I'm in a party, like I don't like to go out, but if I'm if I'm in some party, I'll be like, "You've been quiet for too long, weirdo. You'll be quiet a long time now. Come on, be nice, be social, be social." You know, so that's kind of something that is always going on in my mind, and I don't know why. But then if I smoke cannabis, I like, <sighs> okay. You hear, they're here, that's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. There's no like my mind trying to overfuck me, you know? I, and then when, when with cannabis too, I was like, okay, so I can also fuck my mind the same way it fucks with me. You know, I realized that I kind of had this dichotomy of power when I was on cannabis, because I would smoke it. And then I would really like, no, this is not a real thought. Like this is just my ego saying mm -hmm. some bullshit. You know, and then I would like really access whatever I was like, oh, this is me. This is not me. Oh, okay. This, this comes from stress. This is not my real opinion. I'm just right, stressed right now. Mm -hmm. You know, so it gave me a huge detachment and I know, you know, cannabis is not for everybody. Please understand what I say. 
because I know uh, I have a lot of friends that li they literally lose their minds. They lost their minds to edibles, to cannabis. You know, they're just mm -hmm. in a bad place mentally because of it. So you need to do these things with responsibility. Right. So I hate the bad rap that cannabis has because of some users. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't believe you should smoke a lot or anything like that. You you you, sh you really need to know what is your brain first and then go for it. You know? you know, I'm glad to hear you say that because I know people on different ends of the spectrum where some use it literally so much yeah. that they fabricate everything they tell you. They don't remember what they tell you. They turn into like very different people. Yeah. And then there's some people that, you know, will like do an edible or something and they'll call me and they'll be like, Oh, I feel so much better, you know, and, and calm and stuff. And so there is a very fine line of knowing what your limits are is there is it's very important for you because you know if you're like let's say if you're schizophrenic you know by any means you have you know in your dna or something somebody in mm -hmm. your family so that should be something that you really need to take care of it because if you go do any psychedelics mm -hmm. cannabis mushrooms it's gonna open the doors and some people they cannot have those doors open Right. Unfortunately, because it opens a you know a place that they're not meant to go. Mm -hmm. For me, it's very trauma related because I you know imagine I was overweight for 25 years of my life. 25 years, every time I would eat something, somebody would come to my side and say like, "Are you sure you can eat that, Daniel? That's why you're fat, man." And I'm like, oh, my God, again, I haven't eaten all day, man. And then you say that shit to me. So I had in my brain a very nervous system light mm -hmm. up. Every time I would eat something, somebody comes with some criticism about my food. Till to this day, I'm like, yo. But now I work out. I earn the right to eat whatever I want, you know. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't eat junk, but, you know, I eat, like, the good stuff. But still, I feel like I had a trigger in my mind with right. food and criticism that I needed to be addressed. And the beautiful thing about the psychedelic experience is in one, in one night that can get you over with and it can be real and it won't bother you again. So whenever I do my psychedelic journeys, I write intentions. I want to know what I'm going to get out of it. I'm not just knowing for the sake of it because mm -hmm. then it's just like, you know, you want to have a good time. And psychedelics, they're not for a good time. They're for healing. They have a purpose. That's why they're here. That's cannabis. See, and that's that's the thing, too, because I am not, I, I don't use, I never have. But it's like um, there are some people that do, like, mushrooms and, and ayahuasca and stuff literally nonstop. And to me, that's counterproductive of what the purpose was in the first place. And I know this sounds weird, but I tell people this all the time. I know who I am. And so I don't need a journey. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. With the psychedelic to, to clarify anything because I have a lot of clarity in my life and there's nothing that I 
like traumas or anything from the past that I haven't already addressed and, and put to rest. But no. there are some people that literally will do it every single day. I mean, those are the, you know, the hoarders, right? They want to <laughs> yes. go, go and hold the old stuff, man. Uh, I feel, you know, I if you have a, you know, a negative baggage in your life, And then let's say, because psychedelic, where they really useful is mm -hmm. for people that are being, you know, go to war. Have you been molested when you were a kid? Right, right. Have you been like, you know, I know like a friend of mine. She is, you know, I mean, long story short, she lost her kid, you know, mm -hmm. and she couldn't come to peace with it. Right. And, uh, you know, because, oh, I don't, I'm, not a parent but you know i wonder i don't even because what it must feel like you know what the questions you have like why god did this you know you have all these things coming in your mind why that happened why this and not that person you know like my kid was a good kid so imagine all of this swirling through your mind and you cannot have a peaceful day anymore and right. you, know, you still have a long life to live so i was kind of orchestrating this friend you know i was you know suggesting Like, hey, you can do this, and then you see what happens, and let's do it in a you know, very safe way. Right. So, you heard. so I kind of advocate to her four grams of mushrooms. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot, and I felt that, you know, if she could do it in the way that I did, she would feel and have the benefits that I had. Whatever. I set it up. I made everything perfect, and then she did the experience after when she came back you know you know the mushrooms were off she literally said that she saw this uh, huge fountain of love like kind of holding her kid in the other mm -hmm. realm right then she heard them you know because i mean people who do these things they're aware i'm talking about like the mushroom kind of speaks to you you know mm -hmm. it gives you directions and it kind of tells you where it can go wrong, where it can go bad, why you have this, you know, inside of you for some reason. Mm -hmm. And she said that the mushroom was like, yeah, now he is safe. You know, mm -hmm. like, that's the one, like, it gave her such a huge sense of peace with that. Right. That after that experience, she came back and she was leaving, like, the next day, I think three days later, she, she went to the gym again, You know, uh, we, we are in Orlando, Florida. We have a lot of nature here. We have a lot of springs. Right. She was going back to the spring. She was kind of feeling the reconnection, you know, that she lost. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't upset anymore, you know, because I felt like she was carrying this huge weight on her shoulders because, you know, this happened. And as she, I was just feeling like, oh, my God, she, I don't want to, because I never asked her about it. You know, like I let her deal with this and then like, oh, you, did you feel what did you felt that you got what you needed mm -hmm. she was like yes thank you very much you know and after a while uh she just wrote this huge message on instagram you know like oh my god thank you that day literally changed you know everything for me and i haven't you know even have a negative thought about the experience anymore so mm -hmm. there is ways that this can really be beneficial but it needs to be guided it needs to be taken care of and you need to know right like the dangers of it because you know uh, it can get you in a in a tricky situation let's say mm -hmm.
Yeah. And I, and there's a lot of people that have told me stories about, you know, journeys, <laughs> journeys that they've been on and, and like very dark things came afterwards, but it was either too frequent or too much or, mm. you know, yeah, not, not meant for them for one reason or another. So, yeah, I imagine. Because depending, like the mushrooms and all these things, they're gonna brought up what is deep inside of you, mm-hmm. you know. So that's because what I always say, like, hey, you're gonna do this, do a diet, have your mind clear, do not bring in, like, oh, you're going through a divorce, you're going through some issue with the, you know, the the, the police or whatever, mm-hmm. don't do it because then your mind, because all of this is stored in your subconscious. Right. If you do the psychedelic and then the subconscious open, you're going to be like, holy shit. Exactly. What is going on? You know? <laughs> like a horror movie was just unleashed. <laughs> yes. And that, like, because I mean, you got to, so I'm a very, you know, psychedelic minded. And they say there's no such thing as a bad trip. The only thing there is, is a trip that you didn't know you needed. So whenever you feel those dark emotions after that it means usually that you're not dealing with something that you're supposed to deal with mm-hmm. so it's very you need to be very aligned when you do these things you know you cannot play around if you do like oh i'm gonna do five grams of mushrooms and then uh tomorrow i'm gonna go and kill a pig you know like i'm gonna go hunting in the wild mm-hmm. i don't think it's gonna work a lot because you're gonna be filled with so much I don't know, love or whatever, that if you do this, it's going to really like break your heart, you know, mm-hmm. if you do some dark. So you have to be really aligned with intentions and has to be positive because otherwise, I don't know, even know, it's like you're puking your own bad, mm-hmm. you know, your own like, dark Like dark. negative dark energy. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, don't even go there. So when you first started exploring there, um, and getting out into nature, do you feel like that had a profound effect on your psyche? Oh, yes, it did. It was the best feeling, and I remember, Janet, the first day that I went, so me and my buddy Eric, we went to this place in Orlando called Ekaive Springs. It's very beautiful. It's a river that is giant, you know, um, we rent kayaks, and I remember like feeling like I remember having these thoughts. Like I didn't even like I, I smoke a little cannabis at the time, but I didn't was a huge believer yet. But I feel like oh my god, there is something here that calls me. I need to come back. You know, I need to come back here and see what it is that is you know kind of speaking to me. And then I realized like because if you work in a restaurant, it's very stressful. And you meet people that sometimes are trying to backstab you. They're not mm-hmm. playing, you know, a cool game. They're a fucking assholes. So I, when I was going to nature, I remembered all this, like, you know, you go there and then all of a sudden, you know, like you're swimming the boat or you're on the water and snorkeling. Uh, your mind gets like, oh, that guy, huh? That guy is trying to do this with you, huh? You remember that, bro? Oh, you're going to let this happen? When I was in nature, these thoughts was literally occurring to a degree that I didn't even like remember them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, if I come here, I can just literally forget about the, those happenings. You know, not like 
It's about you valuing something more important than you, you know, pay attention to these little details of the ego of this world where these people think they're in a competition with you. Mm-hmm. So whenever I went to nature, I was getting access to like this huge thing, man. And then I, I remember that I was feeling like my mind is getting clear. I remember this was a real feeling like I am having a different illumination when I'm here. I'm talking like you are there and it's just mountains, rivers, sky, you know, nature. You're not being like there is no internet. There is nothing. It's just you, your mind and what is happening. So that gives you a very primal urge and you want to really like, I got to do something with this life, man. What? I'm here. This is the planet. Wow, it's beautiful. You know, so why are we paying attention to this guy who is an asshole? Like, he just want to do harm. He's just like, he's very lame. He doesn't have any confidence in himself. So let's forget about that guy. Let's pay attention to our journey. So it makes you size life. You know, you seize life. You see life for what it is. Yeah. And being in nature is like when I have my best ideas about things to do. I even it can be like 115 degrees here with the humidity and miserable. And I will still go outside and sit and I talk to the wildlife. (laughs) Please do that. Do that more. We need more of that. I talk to any, any animal or, you know, anything that comes into my path. People laugh at me because like, I'll be on the friend with one of my friends and she'll say, Oh my God, what are you talking to now? And I'm like, Oh, a lizard that just like came up here or whatever bird or something. But every time I sit outside, I get the idea to make or create something. Yeah. So those, yeah, those things actually is your spirit manifesting Mm -hmm. itself. You know, whenever you feel that, because that's the energy that is like being kind of torment in you. Mm-hmm. And why don't you feel that in society? Because it's dormant, so it's not going to wake up. But then if it gets, you know, a little bit, oh, it's getting excited about this. And now it's going to manifest itself. And then your ideas become like you hear this other voice, which is what basically am I, is my point in the whole book is you're going to solitude. You go into this place to reconnect yourself to what you lost. Mm-hmm. because you're in society there's a lot of noise there's a lot of people they're saying this somebody hates that there's a lot of things happening you don't have silence and then when you go into solitude you realize that your inner self can speak to and it can speak clearly it can give you directions it can make you understand about you like everything about yourself in life so if you don't have these moments and your life is filled with office life Instagram posts, TikTok, and then let's go get a happy hour. So those things are going to make you not have this inner voice manifested, you know, because you're busy with the BS, with things that are like... Distractions and negative energy. Yeah, you just want to be, oh, let's, let's show up. Let's, let's, meet, let's show them a good time. You know, you're not really concerned about anything, about any real, you know, happening is not about your soul being you know out it's about you just showing you you a little oh i can't do this too you know so i don't think 
that's something that you should be looking forward to. For me, it's more about like, hey, let's do something tomorrow. Yes, let's wake up early. Let's go get a boat. Let's go to the water. Let's see these animals. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, pet them. Let's talk to them. I do. I'm a huge believer when you say like, oh, you greet the animals. So in the Taoism, it says that you should actually, I mean, you can do this mentally or, you know, with words. So whenever I see animals, I go and I, I do not nas, nam, namaste, but I do something like, hey, my spirit greets your spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, so we are here, we are bound together, you know, me and you, we have this relationship because it's about balance and it's about like, I'm a, I'm a human and this is, I don't know, a bird or an animal, but we are here and we are bound together. Mm -hmm. You know, this is happening to both of us. So let's aggregate to the rest of the experience, you know. Right. This is very deep. What are we talking about? People here is like these people are fucking insane. Well, no, because people that listen to me know that 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 is my thing because I love greeting them, like whatever you know, whatever animal it is or whatever, and I tell them how pretty they are and how special they are and and whatever, and it's just kind of it's calming because it's bonding with another living thing, yeah. you know, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer in positive energy and whatever, you know, I can do to put positive energy back out there, even if it's with an animal or a mosquito or whatever, not that I like mosquitoes, but you know, even if it's putting some positive energy into that, that carries on and there's a ripple yeah. effect onto other things. Yeah, what we're talking about here, babe, is we are raising the frequency. Mm -hmm. You know, so what if you say that to an animal, even though it seems a smaller thing, you are literally raising the frequency, mm -hmm. you know, because now you manifested that, you know, intention. And mm -hmm. the bird, he cannot understand your words, but he felt your frequency of your voice, your presence. So now they're kind of going together with you. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no division between the two of you. Well, it's funny because um, my husband calls me Snow White because when I when I talk to the animals, like you, if he if he comes and sits outside with me or something, and and I'm talking to like a butterfly or whatever, it will literally come and sit on me. I I have frogs and toads that will sit on me. I have lizards that that come over and like sit on my foot or whatever. And it, it's like, he's like, I don't know what it is about your, <laughs> yeah, you it's about your voice, but yeah, you must have a great aura, you know, your aura, mm -hmm. you know, like kind of embodies this whole, mm -hmm. you know, 3d. Cause I mean, there's the body and then there's the outer body. So this, right. it must be, cause I mean, I know dragonflies, you know, dragonflies, they only will come near you if you're emitting a certain, a certain frequency. Mm -hmm. So the frequency of the universe is 432 hertz. Mm -hmm. If you are emitting this frequency, that's when animals come mm -hmm. close to you because they well, feel you are the same as them. Right. And, and I have always been that way. I just, I enjoy like every thing. And like you were talking earlier about picking up on, on people's 
you know, energy and it's going through your mind, like stay away from this person or that person. I'm very empathic in that sense that I can, I can read your energy. Like you don't even have to be near me. Like, I know, I know it sounds weird, but even on social media, like somebody can message me and I'll be like, Ooh, no, mm -mm, no, no. That's a person I don't ever want to have on the show, you know, stuff like that because picking up that is important because I don't want that in my energy field. <laughs> no, it's not worth it, man. Whenever you feel like these people, because you got to trust your intuition, your mm -hmm. intuition is so strong that if you just, you know, don't trust it, you lose a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like people, these people, they're very insecure in life and they don't have any confidence and they grew up like in a toxic relationship where right. their, you know, their, their, their spouse or anything just beat them up. And they're like, yeah, you never know. You never know. Oh, my God. Look at her again. Here it comes. Here it comes. So people who believe like this, they literally beats you down. So you you just lost what is most important to you, which is your intuition. Your intuition mm -hmm. is going to guide you in this situation. It's going to keep you away because you're supposed to be resonating in a frequency that is going to come to you. Right. If you're trying to adapt to somebody else's life or somebody else's way of living, you're going to lose that contact because it's like, I'm not doing anything. Why should I speak again? You know, the intuition kind of goes like that. So it's just shut down. Right. And you just like become a very tense person. Mm -hmm. I know people that aren't like the intuition are like kind of broke and they're just very, <laughs> a lot very of them. They don't know, like, you ask them a question, they have to, oh, let me think about it. Oh, I don't even know. Oh, no, let me ask. So, it's a lot of confusion there. So, do you, being the person that you are now, do you still keep, like, your your friend circle small? Yes. That's a great question, because once I realized that. Same. Yeah. No, because that's, I think people man is so hard and what i'm about to say will sound harsh you know because so you are the sum of the five five people you surround yourself with no more than that the five closest people to you are determining the quality of your life the quality of your thoughts and the quality of your financial situation that's just a goddamn truth mm -hmm. and look at it look around if you have people, they're like, hey, I'm going to write a book. What? You? You're going to write a book, bro? Huh? If you have people, they're like, hey, uh, let's go for a drink. Fuck this, man. Don't go to the gym. We should go have a drink. Or you have people that are like, you know, very negative towards anything you say. Mm -hmm. You don't have a circle. It's called a cage because you are trapped. You are right. trapped. So how do you get out of this? First of all, man, I like to go to the clean. It's called, I, you know, I consider myself a cleaner. I get everything clean that I don't mm -hmm. need in my life. Right. So if, you think, if you think of yourself as a cleaner, here's what cleaners do. They clean, bro. They're going to go, wait. Oh, he's a childhood friend. So what? So, oh, he's part of my family. I can. So what? You know, he's not adding anything of value to you. And everything you say is this guy brings you down. Right. 
what the fuck? Why? You know, why you should should you let like these things hold you back from getting because what happens is let's say you are you're unwilling, unwilling to cut ties with an asshole that just brings you down. Mm-hmm. Guess what? The person that is supposed to be there now helping you and being your like kind of you know winging in life with you, they're not there because you don't have any space. You don't have a space to be a, for a best friend anymore. This guy is there. You know, right. even though he's just talking talk, toxicality, he is there and he is occupying some fucking space in your life mm-hmm. that should be free. Oh, no, but then if I cut this guy out, I don't have anybody. I'm then gonna I'm going to be alone. Yes. So what, man? You're going to be alone for three, six months. But then guess what? Six months later, you're going to meet a guy or somebody that is going to take you and going to be like, holy shit, because it takes some time to the universe mm-hmm. to readjust. Right. Understand this, please, because if you're out there and you're like, oh, you know what? I wish I could do this, but like, you know, my friends won't support me. I don't think they're your friends, guys. You know, like, ah, mm-hmm. if you, you know, even have to say this, oh, I wish I could do this, but you know what? I don't think anybody will support me. Like, I don't think you have any friends then. So, you know, it's, it's better you alone than with these people, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. now if you're alone, you can go and be weird as you want. And find people who is you weird as you are. Exactly. <laughs> that's what you need. Like uh, birds, you know, my mom in Brazil says birds of a feather flocks together. Mm-hmm. Because that's the truth. You're going to be around people. So like, I think it's so lame if you're around people because you're afraid of being alone, you're losing your life. Right. Or my favorite thing <clears throat> is people that say, I can't cut off my mom or my dad or somebody in the family because they're family. My situation is very different because my mom like went crazy and very hateful, very negative, tried to mend it several times, took care of her recently with cancer and whatever. And she went right back to the same toxic, hateful behavior. And people are like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, because that's what keeps my balance high and happy is drawing that line and being like, you can't cross this. And if you're going to be toxic, you stay over there. Yeah. the plain, plain and simple. That's called a boundary setting. <clears throat> yeah. Very so important. let me let me ask you, like, when you said that you were were going through a period where you were drinking a lot. Yes. How or what woke you up to the fact that you needed to stop? Yes, very simple fact, Janet. That's a great question because what happened was. I got fired because I was drunk. Oh, you know, uh, I remember at the time, like, I was like, so what? You know, I'm drunk, but I'm I'm working too. You know, I got fired. I, I used to joke around like, oh, I got fired because I was drunk at work. Ah. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? Um, you literally, like, I mean, it was a shock to me. It, this also, guys, this is in the book. You know, the the character he becomes an alcoholic because he starts working in this nightclub, and then the nightclub kind of changes. You know, his mindset is so strong that the lure 
of these drugs, women, mm-hmm. alcohol, you know, having a good time. It's so strong that if you do not have stoicism with you or don't practice, like, you know, all this detachment, you're going to get sunk. You're going you're gonna to sink into this environment. And that's what happened to me because I didn't even drink when I started working this nightclub. And I started making a lot of money. I started having, you know, hot people around me and all mm-hmm. this jazz. And now I feel like, oh, look at me. I'm unbeatable, bro. I got this job. I can't handle it. I'm making money. And then, you know what? Let's go have a drink. And you start. And a year later... It's just gonna happen like, you know, a fucking event. Like, you're gonna have a situation that is gonna bring you down to earth. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. I was, so imagine I was in this nightclub in the night, I was working and I was there. I remember the, I mean, I always, we, we, I mean, I, it was kind of brilliant. Like, the, the guy that I was to drink with, the bartender, he would go, like, hey, Let's not get caught stealing. Let's go to the liquor store and buy those little bottles of, you know, vodka and whiskey and then bring it, bring them in. Because if we got caught drunk, at least we're not stealing. I'm like, Mm -hmm. God damn, this guy's a genius. Like, look, look at the idea. And then I remember this night I walk in with 10 little bottles of vodka. With 30 minutes, they're gone. I'm liking, you know, the, the music is high. Everybody's dancing. People are ordering shots. And I, I remember, like, the last splash of memory that I had that night. Somebody sent a mojito back. And this mojito, so at the place that I work, we have this 28 ounces drinks, which is like, you know. Big. Yeah, $60 drink. It <laughs> takes you, I don't know, 30 minutes to drink. And I remember that I look at that drink and I was like, oh, my God, my bottles of vodka are gone. So this drink is here. There's no manager around. I just I remember I, I grab it and I, you know, dug down. I chugged that drink in about five seconds, Janet. Like, it was crazy. When I remember, and then, you know, the night goes on. I don't remember much of it. All of a sudden, boom, like blackout. So I blackout. I wake up, come back to reality. I realize I'm crying. Like, oh my God. Like, there's a lot of tears in my eyes. And I look up. I'm in the office with my four managers from the nightclub. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And then I realize I'm crying. I'm like, you know, I was, you know, in a very, like, shameful state. And I'm like, what happened? It's like, Daniel, where is the lady's credit card? I'm like, huh? Where is the lady's credit card? Like, what lady? So what I, I mean, basically, what happened, this is in the book. All, all I'm telling you right now is in the book. Um, so I was, you know, serving, and then a customer gave me her card, and I charged, and I went back to the table. I was like, yeah, here's your drinks. And she was like, where's my card? I'm like, I don't have your fucking card. They're like, of course. You just asked for my card. I gave you my card. And I, I'm like, we start like... You know, I don't have your car. She was like, you have it. I don't have it. And then I was drunk. I was being an asshole. And my manager saw that. And that's when they, you know, closed and then took me to the office. But I don't remember any of this to this day. And then, of course, I got fired that night. And it was a huge shock on my ego because I was like, oh, I'm the king. 
you know, like I was the bartender at the server. I could like <laughs> I couldn't do wrong and then I lost it. You know you were, you were king shit to king nothing. No, I was like the king of the trash, man, because I, I literally I was I was gone from the restaurant and at that time I had a girlfriend that was a bartender there. And like all this shame because you gotta understand about the situations they linger. Because there is like your mental state that you have to recover now, like you're drinking every day and you got fired. So you're not going to be around those people anymore. And now you have to recalibrate your life to a non-drinking lifestyle, which is crazy hard. And the shame of it, you know, oh, why you don't work there anymore? Like, because I got fired. Why? Oh, I was drunk. Like, oof. you know, you go around telling these stories is right now I'm, pre I'm a pretty okay with everything that happened. But at the time, I remember, like, God damn, I'm just going to lie, man. I'm going to lie to everybody from now on. Like, I didn't want anybody to know. But then I was like, listen, this is actually me now. I, like, I lost it for a few, a few months. I lost it, like, the ability to make decisions, let's say. Mm -hmm. And I took that, you know, in very seriously after, after some certain time. And I stopped drinking, like, I don't stop drinking completely. I still have, you know, a beer here and there, but right. it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not something that draws me, like, because it hurts me, you know? Like, if I have a beer with you right now, five minutes, I'll be hungover, like, oh, you know? So I just, you know, I like to wake up now at 120%, feeling mm -hmm. good to go. If I drink, then, you know, like, it's a three-day hungover for me, so I'm not. <laughs> uh, that comes with age. The older you get, the longer it lasts. Yeah, so what I, I mean for me, that's true. But also, like, so let me give you guys a little spirituality here. So, I spiritually, when you decide to take, you know, your journey and you decide to let the spirit comes down and be, you know, control your avatar instead of the, you know, your instead of you doing what you want. Yeah. So uh, mm -hmm. when you do this, you're gonna get very um, susceptible to alcohol let's say because in spirituality when you drink what you do is you allow uh, lower spirits to come near you and mm -hmm. have and have access to your aura to your thoughts and when you decide that you're gonna break down and you go like a year without drinking or you know this and that when you go back immediately you feel it like you know your, your third eye when you mm -hmm. drink it, it goes so heavy in here that you feel all of, I say this to all of the people who are, you know, ex-alcoholics or like trying to understand why. Because, I mean, I have some people that report this to me. They go like, I don't feel the same way I do when I drink anymore. And if you feel a certain pressure on this area of your forehead, mm -hmm. it means that your third eye is getting compressed mm -hmm. by the alcohol. Right. So you should be really careful because that means you sh you are in a stage of awakening that is very precious mm -hmm. and you're not taking care of it because you're going back to the old patterns. Right. And when you do this, you're basically um, saying fuck it to all the work you've done. Mm -hmm. So be careful with that. It's not that having one drink is going to hurt you, but like if you go one night hard, that night can put you, you know, back six months into work again. Mm -hmm. so think about it right and i th a lot of people have have trouble coping with that i have a 
a good friend that um, lived with us for a little while to sober up and and was get his mind right and he was fine here and then as soon as he moved away it came back like with a vengeance and so not just the drinking but you know depression anxiety you know the whole the whole gamut of things and that's what is a big thing for me is not being self-gratifying not doing what you want to do, but opening up and listening to the message that God has for you and the path that he has for your life. And for a lot of people, that's like the only way that they're going to overcome those demons that they struggle with because shame doesn't affect them. Guilt doesn't affect them. (laughs) Like some people just are not they're not in tune with those feelings of guilt and shame. You know what I mean? And so they, it's hard for them to, to get out of that mindset. Yeah. So one thing that is happening now to social media and all these things they're making, you know, so if we're going to decide what are sociopaths and psychopaths, we got to take a moment and think about it because now we have a lot of sociopaths. Mm -hmm. Sociopaths, they do not feel, Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the difference between psychopath and sociopath is sociopath, their form through experience in life, and psychopaths, they have it on the, their DNA. Mm-hmm. So, you kind of have, you know, somebody in your family. And the difference is like sociopath, they're prone to anger. That's when you know somebody is very, you know, oh, this guy, he's playing a game with you. He doesn't mm-hmm. really feel any guilt. He's going to manipulate the situation here. Mm-hmm. Is gonna say what you wanna hear now, right? Later, he's gonna use that. So, sociopaths, it's something that is happening now in a society that is coming, you know, to huge lengths. Mm-hmm. Because if you go and you just do social media, and then you have a reward, it loses. Like I don't have to be, you know, nice to the next person I meet because I have this proof on social media that I'm a nice person. Mm-hmm. And I- so it's, it's messing up all of these things, like for you to go in and realize what you did wrong and for you to know your actions has a weight in reality. Mm-hmm. It's very hard right now. Yeah. And I'm not, um, like I said before, I'm not a huge fan of tech and um, social media. I don't spend very much time on social media at all. I guess that's why. Like I'm a happy person because <laughs> yes. yes. I don't, uh, you know, I put my phone down and I don't pay attention to things like that. But some people literally cannot go with five minutes in their day without social media, like nonstop all time, even at work. And it's like they can't focus on their job because they're so focused on who liked my post? How many people like my post? Is it viral yet? Like, you know, all the, all the things, did somebody say something Uh, nasty to me? Is somebody being negative? I I don't care. Like, am I getting those juicy likes? Is it hitting a thousand? That's the main concern. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you're not concerned that the post was good, that you Mm -hmm. did some work in that post, that you're showing something that you evolved on. doesn't really matter. What matters is like, oh my God, am I am I being, you know, because attention is the new currency. So the more attention, 
doesn't matter negative or positive. It's going to be okay nowadays. As long as you get it. <laughs> yeah, so we are in this crossroad, right? There's a crossroad happening, happening mm -hmm. where we have these people wanted the juice likes and then now you should do something to get those juicy likes. It's, it's hard because, listen, I'm a writer, right? So I try to post something that, I, that is going to elevate your experience and mm -hmm. I have 40 likes, 30 likes, and then somebody that is just like showing an ass is getting uh, right. Really, and then right. you'll be like, oh my God, should I stop? No, fuck it. Just so once you release all that, then you're just like, I'm just gonna do my shit and fuck it, you know. Right. Because if you're doing it for you, yeah, it shouldn't matter whatever validation comes from somebody else. The only validation you need is within yourself and, you know, from God. And so many people are so hyper-focused on, you know, well, I have to put content out or I have to make a post or I have to whatever, even if it's something just stupid garbage because it keeps them relevant. Yeah, I'm so opposite of that. Like I will post like my show once a week. And every once in a while, I'll post, like, you know, something funny or something, whatever. But very rarely do I just do stuff to do stuff. Or the people that have to post selfies literally all the time. No. Listen, I do. So the best solution for this, because, I mean, now I feel like we are too deep. We are too deep in social media. We cannot even say, oh, I'm not going to do it. If you don't do it, you're going to be losing on something, especially, like, for me, I have to promote my book. So there's no better place to right. do that. So I do one thing that I call, I post and I ghost. Mm -hmm. it, so I post and I ghost. I don't look at it. I don't pay attention, whatever. Uh, but it's there. You know, I want to leave. Because let's say, man, like, if I go, let's say something happens and I, whatever, I die tomorrow. Like, there's an energy that I'm going to leave in this planet. You know, mm -hmm. so that's what right. I care about. Like, oh, listen, this guy... He figured this out by himself. So mm -hmm. there's some value here. Oh, but this value only is reaching 30 people. I don't sh give a shit, man. These Same. 30 people now, they're getting some quality things because I have this and now they're going to have a better life. So this is going to add up in the long term that is going to make a huge difference. You know, so if we can keep a look to this, like an eye for this, like let's pay attention to the long term instead of mm -hmm. the juicy likes. Right. That's, and that's yeah. why that's why I love the things that you post, because they're so well thought out and well spoken. Um, and the message that comes through those. Thank you reach so many people on a level that you don't even know. And that's why I always call that like the hidden ripple effect, because okay. something that you said, or, you know, was passionate about in, in something that you did affected somebody's life in a positive way that they can turn around and make that change and affect someone else. Yeah, man, literally the best experience that I have, my because I mean you just write and that's all it like I have two hands you know mm -hmm. I have two hands and a mind and what I can do with this you know I can sit down and put my thoughts and I might have some thoughts that will align your confusion for you you know so I think when mm -hmm. I do this especially for me if I go uh if I get when I get those messages from servers 
they read my book. It's very special, man. Like anything, mm-hmm. like, oh my God, you got it. Oh, dude, I needed this. You know, because when I was serving, I was like, there's no book out there that relates our story. And as an everyday story, because imagine, man, you wake up, you fight with your husband, and then your mom calls you, gives you shit. Guess what? You're a server. You still have to go to work. When you get mm-hmm. to work, you got to be there. Hi. How and are put you? on the happy face. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, my God, did you like it? Oh, is that medium rare enough? Oh, you want an extra side of ranch? I'll bring it to you right now. And then meanwhile, you walk into the kitchen to get that side of ranch, and you're like, fuck, man. My husband won't do this. My girlfriend won't do that. And then they're like, you're getting texts on your phone. And then it's like, oh. And then you have to keep the mindset. Those people for me are in a different level. I love the restaurant business Mm -hmm. from, you know, the noble savage, as I call these people. Because it's a noble pursuit, right? You're there trying to make some money. And then you are dealing with people that are not so nice. But you still Mm -hmm. keep your attitude in check. Well, and and it's very hard work because you're on your feet all the time. You have to remember things. You have to stay positive. You have to smile because, of course, if you don't and you bring that negative side and a negative attitude and, you know, frowny face to things, people are less likely to tip you, which is how you make your money. Yeah, they're so, not going to tip you and they feel because, I mean, you got to understand one thing about people. If you're a customer. You have that mentality, hey, I'm paying. I'm paying for this. So mm-hmm. when you deal with those people which are in a different level of asshole, right. you got to be double like, oh, my God, I'm having a hard day. But if I, you know, if I let this asshole know, I'm going to have a double hard day. Like, because he's going to mm-hmm. tell my manager about it. Oh, right. this server, he's not here to work. He doesn't. He didn't even care about my drink and shit. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going on, man, for the server to be there and making that money. You know, those are, I feel everybody should do this job. You mm-hmm. know, like everybody in the world, man, if you serve for six months, oh, my God, the world will be such a better place. Because everybody's well, going to know what it takes to do something, man. Well, you know? yeah, and and what it's like to to be in the service of others and have people look down on you. Yes. That you're just a server. I mean, oh my God, like, you know, what? You're so special. You're bringing me my food. There's yeah. so much stuff that goes into it, like emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. Sometimes when you're pray, praying to Jesus, uh, don't let you go out and smash that customer over the head with a bottle. Yes. That can happen, man, motherfucker. Uh-huh. And then uh, whenever you deal with the, you know, the hard ass, um, it teaches you something about you too. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I am unbreakable, bro. Mm-hmm. What? That guy gave me that much shit and I'm still here, like finishing my shift. Right. And going home with money and then like everything's going to be okay tomorrow. You are like... You know, they're, they're like, let's say everybody works on a day-to-day, right? But not everybody has that experience because if you're a painter, you're going to go paint the house, you're going to get shit from your boss, but not like, there's not somebody on your nerves, you know, mm-hmm. like, making you like feel like a shit person. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just like, I like servers and 
bartenders and people that work in the industry because we are very stoic. Mm-hmm. No, you, you you get this, right? You're just there, and then it's a six-hour shift, and something happened last night that you didn't sleep well, but you have to be there, and then mm-hmm. it's busy. You got to run. Let's run. Let's get this going. Pick it up. And then the best thing you can do is just, like, let it go and be there present. There's nothing else. Like, that's a beautiful thing for me. And I think it's, like, a special quality, too, for people who are, you know, servers or, or work in some kind of capacity where they deal with the public like that to yeah. be able to compartmentalize and separate, you know, like these are the things in my personal life that are going on. Uh, but we're going to put these in a box right now because we have to put on this face and the smile and the new attitude and, try to be positive even when you're dealing with people who literally just seem like they want to come in to hassle and be rude and hateful. Yeah, Some people are like that. It's like a superhero power. You just tap into it like, oh my God, because after I have 10 years in the industry now, I'm able to tap into the niceness of my soul, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because after all this time, if I'm like, let's say I'm introvert, I don't like to, you know, it's funny because I'm a bartender now. And then you come in in my bar. I'm like, hey, how are you? Have a seat. Oh, here's the menu. Anything can get you right now. How's your day going? That's how I approach. But then if I'm not in the bar, it kind of turns off. I have this, like, I'm not, you know, like I'm going to see you on the street. I'm not going to even say hi. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to avoid you completely because I'm a fucking shy guy. But then if you come up to me and they're like, hey, how are you? And then I... Everything kicks in again. All the old system. Like, oh, I'm all right. How are you? That's the first thing that I do because I, I, as a bartender, I have to, you know, interact with you. The only thing you can interact with somebody is asking them questions too. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a ping pong duo, you know? So if I'm out and somebody like, I'm trying to be introvert and not talk much and somebody comes to me and asks me about something, immediately my bartender server, like, feeling kicks in and i'm able to be like this tennis match with the person i'm okay how are you you too okay you know so that's something that it you take it for life everybody that works in the bar of restaurants they go and they have this quality forever it's like Mm -hmm. a hospitality trick that stays with you i think um your next book should be about how to flip that switch on and off Mm -hmm. For introverts, my husband's an introvert too. Yeah. <laughs> so we we have these discussions a lot because I'm an extrovert and I'm the type of person that would run up to you on the street and like give you a big hug and whatever. And he's the type of person that's like, oh, there's people Hi. coming that we know. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, over there. I'm going to go sit in the car. <laughs> you go over and talk to him. I understand so that should be your next project how to overcome that (laughs) yeah i'm gonna i'm not gonna stop writing ever because that's when i feel like everything comes together but Mm -hmm. i have my next book ready is gonna come out in september and then i have a third one yes i'm i mean so i'm gonna do for life it's my calling that's what i realized when i was on mushrooms janet so yeah you were you were given what your task is to to 
share with others. So there you go. Yeah, this this thing that I'm telling you about, oh, my two hands, I only have all this thought process came during a mushroom trip because it was, you know, I was very in a dark place at the time. I was like, what am I going to do? I can't be a server bartender forever, man. This is crazy. But I don't have anything else to do. I, I can't be a lawyer. I can't be an accountant. I can't be in an office. I hate this life. What can I do? I was like, the only thing you can do, bro, you have your mind. Like, how can you use your mind? You can mm -hmm. use your mind to explain trauma to people. That would be one thing you can do. Like, yeah, because I had a lot of trauma, so I heal it. How right. can I teach this? It's like, yeah, I might be able to write a, a storytelling, you know, this way and that way. And I kind of put it together and made it interesting. It was very compelling. And I came out with the concept of who would have thought. My next book is a different, totally different book. It's going to be about this lawyer. You know, everything is based on my experience. It's going to be about this lawyer from Harvard who's just want to quit Harvard because he want to be an actor. And his family is a huge lawyer, has a huge lawyer firm in Boston. And they don't want him to quit. They don't believe he can be an actor. But then he's going to go and, you know, have a conflict with his family so he can, mm -hmm. you know, show the universe and everybody else that he can do that. Right. That's what I like to Never let people tell you that you can't do something because that's the thing that you're probably best at. Yeah, there's a mm -hmm. there's a huge, uh, unique pet for everybody. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's going to be doing the same thing. And I feel like you just can absorb from people. But your pet is your pet. Nobody else. You are who you are. You're not, you're not anybody else. You know, you got to do your own thing. What is it? Oh, is it either making furniture you're gonna make furniture you're gonna coat those corners perfectly because that's where your mind can do better like that's beautiful man and that pays your bills you're making furniture wow that's nice instead of being like no man you know what i'm gonna be a real estate agent you know i'm gonna do real estate because i'll flip those houses and then you're like you're not paying attention when somebody's explaining to you how to flip houses and you're like i hate this fucking thing okay, you know? right like, go go do the furniture you know, and all the headaches that come along with flipping a house, yeah. And all, and all the ego drama, man. Imagine if you're in the middle of real estate agents, like, whoa, the talk is insane. I know this because I'm a bartender server. And, mm -hmm. service and people tell you everything. No. <laughs> Listen, like, you want to, like, uh, you want to, like, make me approach you as an asshole is if I feel like you're an asshole, too. Mm -hmm. Because then I'm like, okay, I got to go with the mirror to this guy, right? Because then he's not going to respect me. Like, I served this, I remember, like, I served this eight, eight guys in a suit on a table one time. But they're just talking about this and that. Yeah, he lost me $20,000. I'm not talking to him again. And the vibe, you know, that I feel when I go to this table is just like, wow, let me get out of here. Like, I don't have 20K right now. Like, nobody stole from me 20K. Or anything like this, but I don't want to have 20k to deal with this bullshit right now, you know. So douche canoes, table eight. <laughs> yeah, douche canoes. Love it, dude. Yeah, so that's uh, one way to not go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, darling, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, I knew we were going to get along very, very well. And I love your vibe. 
I don't care if you're an introvert. If I saw you on the street, I would hug you anyway, whether you wanted me to or not. Now, listen, um, now I know you, so it's uh, like you're going to be popping. Okay, so you have to give me consent beforehand, you know, because I don't want to, like, violate that consent of your, your space. No, no consent. You're good, babe. I feel like you have the same energy that I have, so we match it. Yep. And, right. and one of these days, I'm going to come down there and... Uh, you can show me your nature spots. Yeah, bring the hobby, come down to Orlando, and then send me a text, because then I'll take you around, man. I'll show you the springs, people from Florida. If you've never been to Genie Springs, to Bluey Springs, or Devious Den, you are an embarrassment to this state. I'm sorry. <laughs> but those are the places. Get out of your about. office and go out front of your TV and go out in nature, yeah. Yes, I so, so these three springs that I told you about, I describe them in my book because they are healing centers. That's what it is. You go there, piss, you go there, you know, traumatized, spend a day in there, you come back, everything's fine. There's a lot of people that need to find more places like that, I will tell you, my friend. Yeah, that's so, why I think it's not an accident that I came to Florida. It's a big whip right there. That's exactly right. And you were put there for a reason. Yes. So. There you Absolutely. go. So tell everybody where they can find you at, my dear. Yes, guys. So um, my Instagram is Daniel Ryder Diaz. I have it right here. Just follow me in there so I can might give you some motivation to work out, some ideas to keep you spiritually in line, and then, you know, some uh, tips to get your trauma healed. Also, mm -hmm. my book is available on Amazon all over the world. It's called Who Would Have Thought? A server with PTSD story. I believe we are suffering, you know, in, a, you know, everybody has a PTSD degree to a smaller or larger level, depending. Mm -hmm. like, let's say if you grew up in a house that your dad used to yell at you, and then if you go out in a supermarket, somebody is yelling, guess what? You're triggered. You don't even know it. So you are responding to that event based on a past memory instead of just being present in the moment. So mm -hmm. I believe there is a fever of PTSD around the world. And that's why my character in the book is so relatable because you're going to feel yourself walking in his shoes. So the guy, he doesn't know he has PTSD, but then he's introduced to cannabis by his coworkers and then he starts changing his mind. That's my whole concept of my first book. I hope you enjoy it. And please, let's get it. I sold, uh, Janet, I'm almost selling 600 copies. I mean, I'm doing this all by myself. And I launched the book in February. So it's not even been four months now, right? Mm -hmm. I think. And we're doing good. I love it. You know, it's been very nice, man. It was very hard work. But now I think a year or two, I might be good to leave alone of this book. Well, you know what? Um, kudos to you for having the cojones to do it in the first place. Um, the mindset to do it in the first place and to actually get it done. And I wish you all the success uh, in the world on, on this book and your future endeavors, because it's much deserved, my friend. Appreciate you, Jenny. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a long journey. Now everything's making sense and it's, you know, the reward is coming. Yep. So, Everybody, make sure that you go uh, follow his account, buy his book, yes. drop him a little note, tell him what you thought of the book. Uh, that's always a good thing, too. Feedback 
uh, especially if it's it's changed your life in, in one way or another, is always great to hear. So make sure you do that. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Have a great one, guys. Bye, guys.